Hello everyone and welcome to what will be the last episode of the monthly video game briefing. My name is Patrick Beja and to my right or left, depends how I'm standing, uh, is Scott Johnson. Yeah, not to be confused on any sort of political affiliation. I'm happy to be here. And yes, it is the final episode. Why you're all asking in your in your heads? Well, oh, you cut out. What, oh, what happened? Ed, what happened to me? You not um, hear me? Yeah, but now I'm hearing you. Uh, you said why you wonder, and then you disappeared. So tell us again. Oh, that's funky. Uh, and I would I just wanted them to understand that this is definitely not because Patrick and I are having some kind of sort of row or fight uh it's not that it's let's none start, of those things let's start that rumor by vigorously denying that that is what is <laughs> happening i am 100 um, sure that's not why but we'll we'll explain toward yeah. the end uh but you know it's a it's a mixed show for me to that uh, today because i really enjoy our time together on this but you know we'll get into it yeah we'll we'll talk about it towards the end of the show but since this is going to be the last one um we are going to look forward a little bit farther than we usually do in this show where we cover the news from the gaming world but with a little bit of a uh, i don't need to know every single thing slant people who enjoy gaming but don't necessarily uh, consider themselves super hardcore gamers uh, so we're going to be talking about trends looking towards the future what we think is going to happen over the next few years and then or the next few months for the games the big games that we are um that are already scheduled so you can have at least a little bit of a roadmap uh going forward at least for the next few months slash years in the case of uh, trends so are you ready to jump in scott i am i'm wearing uh considerably short uh swimming trunks i'm ready to jump into your mm. pool filled with winter, uh, watery video game goodness so so let's go <laughs> I will not comment further on the size of your trunks. Um, so, for, I mean, first we're going to be talking about the trends. Uh, we're going to be talking about subscriptions, streaming, VR, and mobile games revival thanks to subscriptions. So maybe it's a little bit of the same in both uh, cases. And then we'll talk about uh, general thoughts on the next generation of consoles, which are coming in probably about a year. It's been confirmed, well, I think for both um, manufacturers, uh, Sony and Microsoft. But first, um, subscriptions. This is definitely a trend that is keep going to keep... Uh, it's stamina over the next few years. And it feels like it's really good for everyone, especially for gamers. Uh, you're in love with subscription services, right? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I am kind of getting to that point where, like, how many more can I bear? Um, but I'm also reminded that the best thing about this new subscription world we live in, be it games or video or anything else, is they none of them are contractual. Like, some of the stuff I guess you can buy a year in advance or something, but most of them are, hey, I don't want to do this for two months straight, so I'm just going to put it on pause. I'm going to hold that subscription. I'm going to go try something else or cancel it altogether. Or if I feel like coming back, no problem. I'm right back in. Um, yeah, and I think for... that, And that's a great, that's a really great power that we have now that we didn't used to have. In the case of gaming, especially, this is the case for every type of subscription service, but a lot of people say... You know, as you said, ah, oh, there's too many. I can't have that many. But in gaming, especially, you get so much that you don't need more than one or two. And then maybe you buy the games you want piecemeal if you really want them outside of it. So in that context, it becomes a really compelling um, value proposition for everyone, and it's compelling for the uh, subscription 
providers because they get a lot of money. And while we are not certain of all of the details yet, it seems like it's compelling for developers as well because they get money uh, up front, which helps them fund uh, the development of their games or make sure they get at least some money in for that's usually it seems the way it's working so i know there's a lot of concern about what it means for developers and what it means for the value of games so without getting in too much details it seems like between the target for these subscription services which are really the core gamers so they're not necessarily every gamer people are still buying games and all of those other components it, I don't really see it as an unhealthy thing for the industry. So I think they're going to keep going for at least the foreseeable future. We're going to talk about the next five to 10 years, which is the next generation of consoles. I think it's going to become a, another uh, way to get games and it's not going anywhere. That's a relatively easy prediction to make. Yeah, I think that's a fair prediction to make. And also, <clears throat> um, all of these things seem to be more consumer friendly in terms of what control you have, whether or not mm. the game streaming, streaming things that are coming our way from Google Stadia and xCloud and other services, whether those will be worth the value of their asking price is still to be determined as part of all of this discussion. But video games, baby, they're here to stay. <laughs> well, th that's a good point. Streaming is also kind of interlocked with subscriptions, uh, but really they're two different technologies and uh, ways to reach your customer, which often are considered uh, to go together really well. And it seems like there will be a lot of intermingling of those two things in the future. Um, but streaming specifically, we're talking about this for, as we said, the next five to 10 years. And I think if a lot of people are have questions about streaming for gaming now, because the infrastructure might not be quite there yet for many of us, um, I think there is little doubt that uh, streaming is also going to be a huge push over the next five years. And I doubt that things are going to go so poorly for these services that they're going to fold entirely. I think it, there might be some roadkill along the way, but some of them are going to stay for the long term. And I think some one element, you know, a lot of people talk about Stadia as a streaming service that has no audience. And the power of Google is obviously <laughs> quite considerable. And um, we have to look at it in six to 12 months when the service will be out of that beta period, which doesn't call itself a beta period, where you have to pay to get on the service. And it will be available for quote unquote free, meaning you don't need to buy a console, but you can buy a game. And in that universe, games can have free demos that you can start playing by just the click of a button. And the power of Google behind that is extremely compelling. It can bring gaming to a lot of people who might not want to buy a powerful PC or a console. And uh, in that context, it's important to remind everyone that Sony and Microsoft and maybe others, um, we know that EA is in that, um, in that boat as well, are going to be offering streaming services too. And they're going to be just as compelling, I suspect, maybe even more than Stadia's offering. So streaming also, I think, is here to stay. Not for everyone, but it, it, it is here to stay. Yeah, I hope so. There's a lot of kinds of speculation that, <clears throat> that Google lets things drop after uh, not giving it enough of a, of a time to sort of incubate and do its thing it needs to do. And 
certainly you could point to a bunch of examples of that, but I actually, I think I agree with you on this one. I think that they uh, know that they need a stake in this, in this uh, particular market and in the future. And I think that they're serious about it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that that service is going to be around for a while. I really don't know whether or not it will be any sort of big hit out of the gate. They don't have the, um, I don't think they've got the, the PR for it. And by that, I mean, they don't have a box to show. They've got a controller and they got a dongle. And then later it'll be this ethereal thing that will just be on your devices. And that's great. And I understand it and you understand it. But what the general gaming public buying public parents at Christmas know is that there's a box with a controller and a game you put in it. And we're asking people to sh change that paradigm pretty drastically for Stadia. Whereas the Xbox offering appears to be, you know, less of, Here's this new magic that just comes into your house, and it's more of an extension of what they already do on a brand people already know. Um, That's true. So there's certainly on the. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, and how Sony fits into that time will only, you know, will only yeah. tell. We now have some official details about the PS5, just literally called the PlayStation Five. Um, <laughs> Surprise. So yeah, it's gonna be a weird that 12 to 18 month period you talked about is gonna be a weird one. Yeah, I think um, what Google lacks in gaming brand recognition, uh, they make up in impact power with, you know, YouTube and their their uh, power on the Internet in general. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But it is in a mo slightly more precarious position as a gaming brand. Uh, that's very true. Mm -hmm. um, VR is moving along quite a bit as well. The technology is taking a little bit longer to get to where it should be uh, to to be a really attractive proposition, but we're slowly getting there. I just got my uh, Oculus Quest uh, yesterday, and that is an impressive piece of hardware. And since you will now be able to connect it to your PC, so the Quest is the fully autonomous VR headset, um, The you, you will be able to connect to the PC uh, in November with a software update. So you will have a choice between the full freedom of the quest or the full power of pc connected vr but beyond that it's not unlikely uh that sony will have another vr headset a few years into uh, the launch of the playstation 5 and vr in general seems like um to try and and explain why vr is so fascinating even though the tech has been promised for so long and seems to never be quite there. Um, I was talking about this in a French tech shows a few days ago, um, and there is something magical about the concept, the idea of VR. And I think no matter how disappointing the hardware is, it's not like 3D on TVs. It's It, it, it does have something as a basis for the desire for it. And that basis, the concept, the idea of being transported in, an, in a virtual reality world, I don't think it's gonna go away. So I think that is gonna keep, uh, uh, they're gonna keep working at it until they finally get it right. And by my estimation, um, I think we're not that far, maybe two or three generations and, and people will, be able to will be a little bit more convinced now whether or not it's useful for something once the tech is right that's another question but uh, i think they're going to keep plugging away at the tech yeah i think so too that link thing is a huge announcement for me i'm very stoked about it i feel like i invested in the right headset as a result um i need to see it you know in action to make sure everything's cool but 
uh, yeah, you're right. Like VR as a, as a future is we're not there yet, but we're getting there. These are all baby steps. I hope that big companies continue to invest, you know, money into what is initially going to be a continually somewhat losing proposition until the size is right. The content is right. Like all of that stuff just has to be right. But we'll get there. We got we get there with phones. We got there with all sorts of devices. Uh, tablets are famously janky forever until we finally got a tablet that worked. And now there's lots of choices for great tablets. And, you know, that I feel like this is it's just the same technology path. Um, and these are amazing current steps they're taking. But it's going to take a little time. Yeah, I think if we if we have a headset <clears throat> that is maybe, you know, a third more powerful, a third less expensive a third lighter we're like in that range of then it becomes a, a real option for people and it, it's not like it's going to replace other means of gaming but it's just going to be a, a viable uh, other option um rather than being this pet thing that some people are enthusiastic about and absolutely love but the majority of people don't really get or want but um That, you know, again, we're talking about the next five to 10 years. That's a long time. That is a long time. So things are going to change uh, in that time period. Games on mobile, uh, traditionally, or maybe not traditionally, but over the next, the last few years, um, core gamers, PC and console gamers, have kind of abandoned the idea of being able to play games they like on mobile. Of course, gaming is huge on mobile, but um, the business model of games has sort of informed their design. Usually, games are free to play on mobile, and that means you have to monetize another way, which means the design of it has to be geared toward that. Well, with the subscription service, Apple Arcade, um, you pay once for your subscription. Apple handles the payments with the developers. Uh, again, it's a subscription service. We're not exactly certain how things are happening, but everything I'm hearing is developers are happy with um, the financial deals being made, at least for now. Um, but The, the design that be, then becomes very different because you make a self-contained experience um, that is palatable to core gamers. So do you think mobile games are going to become a um, playground for core gamers again, as it was oh. in the very beginning? Or I mean, maybe. So I, I'm, <laughs> it's weird. Apple Arcade came to me uh, at a very a skeptical moment for me. I was really unsure about how that was going to go. And I am shocked how great it is. Um, and I, I still have questions about longevity. I still have questions about five years from now, what does that even look like? Uh, are, are the same games we have today, are they still in there in perpetuity? Uh, are the deals that the developers are making with Apple good enough that they are getting properly compensated for the work they're doing? Like, I have a lot of questions. Um, but as a just front-facing sort of consumer experience, that thing's blown me away. And I have found multiple, multiple gems inside of this initial launch, which is also rare in any kind of launch of any service to find that many things that have impressed me. And they're games that are just games, Patrick. They're just, here's a game. <laughs> no, I'm looking for weird currencies and strange ad, remove ad links. None of that exists in, in these things. It is like a throwback to 2008, 2009, when we started to see what, the potential of mobile gaming might look like. And then it just got overrun by this monetization model. And, and, and some of that you could just say, well, it's just the natural flow of things. And that's no problem. I think this is an answer to that, 
for people like me who me who want curated awesome game content on a platform and i'm blown away by it absolutely blown away by it mm -hmm. and i love it and it's also dirt cheap and also five people in my family are on the same dirt cheap one payment plan <laughs> it's ridiculous so if they can keep that up and if google can come up with similar initiatives on the on the android side um i think there's suddenly new life in that area that i wasn't expecting before oh there um, is a subscription service on android i don't know if yeah, you yeah that, it's just but, not yeah. great from what i've heard i hear it's exactly. kind of bad yeah, yeah. I mean, um, what I'm hearing is they have like free, they still are just sticking free to play games in there <laughs> with all their monetization and everything. Like there's no curation. It's just sort of a mess. And I think Google can do better and they probably will. But I, I just think these are steps in the right direction. If we want to consider that device, a platform that, that, you know, actual core gamers want to want to use their phones for. And I do right now. I really like them. You and me both. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see if that continues, but certainly it seems Apple has found a solution to the monetization business model informing game design problem that has meant some games were basically kept out of the App Store for a few years. So hopefully that continues. Um, and finally, general thoughts about the next generation of consoles, Scott. Uh, the Xbox 2, maybe? Xbox 720, we don't know. Um, yeah. I think it's just going to be called the Xbox, personally. I think that's going to be it. But um, just like the original one. And PlayStation 5. Um, we've heard some tech specs, essentially very powerful graphics, SSD for fast loading, um, new controllers that will do haptic feedback and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, probably some integration with streaming slash subscription, even more than they are now. Um, anything that comes to mind when you think about the next generation of consoles? Um, yeah, I think that what we just saw yesterday or the day before, whatever it was from Sony, um, them putting out what the name was, um, kind of solidifying a lot of the features we already thought were going to be there. SSD, uh, built-in hardware based ray tracing, you know, a bunch of next gen stuff is, uh, is a confident play by them. Also just calling it a PlayStation five means they're confident with their brand, I do wish Microsoft had a better naming convention because, and I understand the problem here because if you have a, if you have an Xbox original and then calling the 360, the 360 meant you weren't calling it the Xbox two. I think that was a de deliberate decision from a branding standpoint, because you would always be one number under your biggest competitor. Uh, Sony at the, <laughs> you know, an Xbox two would have competed with a Sony PlayStation three, PlayStation four would compete with the Xbox three and the xbox four next generation would compete with the playstation five so i get it right i understand but i think it's confusing to consumers and it's kind of annoying overall but um that being said i i'm very bullish on microsoft's uh entry this next uh generation mostly i'm excited about services from them and and less so much about the hardware because i think that'll sort of take care of itself i'm sure it'll be fine but um Game Pass and what that has evolved into is really exciting to me. How xCloud is going to work is not a lot known yet, but I I have enough confidence uh, in their plan to, to think it's going to be pretty good. I feel like Sony doesn't have a great strategy in that regard yet um, to compete in that way, but they also may just be comfortable thinking this whole next generation is going to still be people wanting a piece of sweet hardware under their TV. I don't know. I think that's... Uh, that's certainly um, what's going to happen for the first, you know, few years. Um, the the gamers that we are, 
as much as I'm all for streaming and subscriptions, I think I will want for at least a few years a piece of hardware under my TV, and <laughs> I want that to be the way it's going to work. And I yeah. think Sony and Microsoft both understand that. Um, and, and so the consoles are still going to be very important for at least one generation. Uh, and, and I think we're going to be happy with what we get, but it's going to be the basis for probably big changes under the, well, over the hood, uh, yeah. as we were saying. I, I agree. I think I, I think I'm the, the one thing that's consistent is regardless of what, the expectations are for a next generation. I felt this way in 2013 and I feel that way again. Now I'm just jazzed about it. I just love it. I love this changeover. I love seeing new ideas, new hardware, new excitement, uh, seeing what developers do with it. Even though I know that first year is not always the best year, you know, software wise, usually things are going to have to catch up and they get, you know, really good the second or third year in like knowing all of that, just the the hype bubble on this particular part of the industry is so fun for me. I just love it, and I'm looking forward to all of it. Um, so for me, 2020 is a is a big oh, year. It's a party. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. great. Indeed. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens uh, on the hardware and services side. And now let's talk a little bit about games. So of course, we don't really know what's going to be happening in the next few years for for games but for specific titles but we do have some visibility over let's say the next six to eight months and uh, i went over the list the schedule and i picked out a few of the big games that are going to be coming out i'm sure i forgot some but um i should have gotten most of them let's talk about each and uh, give a quick reminder and what we think of them. Um, and let's start with Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is coming out in just a few weeks, October 25th. Uh, this is a... Hmm, I think we all know what Call of Duty is, but we're not sure what this Modern Warfare is going to be. There's a lot of discussion about the grittiness and the violence of that game and i think a lot of the um people are waiting to see how it's handled whether it's interesting commentary on the horrors of war within a game where what you do is shoot people all the time or if it's a um kind of a you know cheap attempt at getting some buzz by making horrible things appear on screen and it really could go either way but there is you know some possibility that it will it will be handled in an interesting way yeah they've done uh, call of duty's no stranger to evoking meaningful response from the player sometimes controversially um i think they aim for that especially returning to a full campaign here and also returning a lot of ways to their roots um you know, what makes the current series so popular. I, I'm actually pretty excited about it. Um, if you're coming to this series for the first time, it might be a great time to get in. If you're coming as an old player, you either, you either are not going to like the new directions or, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to feel the change. You're going to feel that this is a bit of a turning point. At least that's how they're selling it. Um, I've talked to people who played the beta and they felt like they were playing the same game, but I played the beta. It is Call of Duty, but yeah. the beta is multiplayer as well. the The big question comes on the single player campaign, I suppose. Right. 
Right. For me, it does. I mean, that, that's the other thing is it used to be a big joke that people would only buy this game for the multiplayer and they wish they would split it out. I'm not sure that's true anymore. I think people want a return to a compelling narrative experience. Yeah, uh, I think I think everyone that's a fallacy or, or, you know, a myth that people only bought it for the multiplayer. I think a lot of people also buy it for the single player. Yeah. For me, I almost bought it entirely for the single player. So, yeah. Yeah. so I'm kind of the opposite of that notion. Death Stranding, the new game by Hideo Kojima, is coming out a couple of weeks after Modern Warfare, November 8th. We still don't know exactly what it is. We have a little bit more, but it almost doesn't matter for people who don't know who Hideo Kojima is. He is kind of one of the few auteurs in the gaming medium, and uh, he always does Mm, maybe not always. Yes, he always does interesting things, and some people always love it, and some people always hate it. Uh, it seems Death Stranding is going to be kind of in the same boat, with a little bit more mystery about what the game actually is still, even to this day, and having seen some gameplay. Yeah, I, I still don't know what to think of that thing. Like the gameplay they've shown is is weird. The trailer stuff and and cutscene stuff is weird. Everything's weird. So my approach to this will be, how weird are you? And is that enough for me to play you? And and, and for me, <laughs> Metal Gear has always been weird. His previous series, and that always drew me to it. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm all high minded about story or whatever. If he's gonna if he's presenting something super strange here, and it appears he is. I might be in just for that. Like, forget about mechanics. Yeah. If I just want to see it through, you know, I want to know what carrying a baby around in a freaking tank means. There's just so <laughs> much to ask about that game. And I want to, I want to play. It, that, there's a lot of the in, intriguing qualities of the game that's, that, you know, uh, uh, come with all of this that we've seen. And I think it, a little bit of the reception for the game will depend on whether or not he can tie all of this together and make an, a, a compelling narrative out of it. Or if it's just, if the game ends and it's just as incomprehensible as it has been in the beginning, then I think that will be a little bit of a letdown. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see. Pokemon is coming out a week after that on November 15. That's Pokemon Sword and Shield for the Nintendo Switch. I mean, do we even need to talk about Pokemon at this point? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, it's there. It exists. You already like it or you don't. It's uh, you know, it's a worldwide phenomenon that'll. And most people do time. like it. I, yeah. I, I want to mention it. Um, sure, people it's like be it. A success. It's a popular thing. It'll be a huge success. I I suspect that uh, you'll never see so many uh, uh, switch light sales as you will when that weekend launches. So yeah, it's going to yeah. be big for Nintendo that one. Um, The Last of Us Part 2, we're switching to 2020 now. The Last of Us Part 2 launches February 21st, the most celebrated game probably of the last generation. Uh, looks like it's going to be quite significant this generation as well. Of course, there's always the question of what does it do more and better? And um, the trick for The Last of Us is that it was... It, the the quality of the the original game was mainly the emotional uh, uh, 
trip that it took you on in a way that would seem difficult to replicate. So mm -hmm. the concern I have for The Last of Us Part 2, and by the way, The Last of Us Part 1, is probably my favorite game of all time. It, it might be. Right, nice. It might be, yeah. But yeah. so my concern for The Last of Us Part 2 is if it's just mechanically a similar game with some improvements and graphically uh, a, a wonderful experience that is so realistic you've hardly ever seen anything like this before i'll be happy to play it but it's what i'm trying to say is uh even equaling i'm not even talking about topping but equaling the um achievement of the the first title is going is a very tall order so yeah. if they manage to do it i will be very surprised and very happy and if they doesn't if they don't it will kind of be a letdown for a lot of people and my point is since the strength of the first one was the emotional voyage mm -hmm. i think it's more difficult to reproduce than in other games which rely more heavily on gameplay where you can just make the same thing with more levels and you you will get at least some of the satisfaction of the previous games in the series. In this one, if they don't manage that tour de force um, of emotional storytelling, then the game kind of... The, other than that, the game was good, but not spectacular uh, for the first one. So it might be uh, also a little bit of a disappointment here. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't uh, I don't have a lot of love for the first game. I don't know why. It what? seems like it should be right well, up my alley. Uh, you were wondering why we're stopping this show. That's why I can't be in a show <laughs> with that that guy. Yeah, I mean, if I, it's actually really hard for me to say what my favorite game of all time is. But for some reason, that one just like I I prefer the Uncharted games, which same studio. Um, I think, and I love zombie post apocalypse. Like all of it is. My jam. And the story's amazing. The acting's amazing, Nick. There are parts of that game that are great. It was the actual gameplay I think I didn't like as much. I think it was, you know, clearing the place out of the mushroom heads and just dealing with that loop was not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. But the story and stuff was incredible. And I'm interested in on that level at least. Um, that, so. That's what I meant. I mean, I enjoyed the gameplay, but I will completely agree that it wasn't anything spectacular. It was, it was enjoyable for me, but... You know, it doesn't blow anything away. Um, but yeah, so I will say the Last of Us remaster, which came out on PlayStation 4, is part of the PlayStation Plus um, games for this month, for October. So if you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber and for some reason you don't already own The Last of Us Part 1, um, go download it and at least play the introduction. Uh, yeah. I think there are a few games, there, there are a few, I could mention a couple, but there are a few games that have a better introductory level than this one. Um, and that alone, I think, is a piece of gaming history. It's incredible, the first half an hour or so. Yeah, and easily acquirable at this point. The, the remaster is awesome, so yeah. yeah, get your hands on it. I noticed, that, by the way, in this list, you don't have the surprise release of... Uh, the some of us expected it but anyway the surprise release of the pc version of red dead redemption 2 coming out on the 5th of november i just want to give that a shout out because uh i'm kind of beyond excited about that i've been waiting for this i'm very excited about rd2 uh, well it's R been out on consoles yeah. for a year but yes you're right it's coming on yeah PC it's it's a big deal for pc players that held off and and felt like they were holding off for a reason like this was going to come and it did 
and I'm so happy it did. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Um, yeah. Uh, approved. Agreed. Oh, I didn't mention it, but of course, Death Stranding and The Last of Us are PlayStation 4 exclusives. As right. is uh, Final Fantasy VII, which actually leads me to mention something we didn't mention in the um, thoughts about generation of consoles before, which is the importance of exclusives. Um, they're getting closer and closer every generation, all consoles and all systems and platforms, really, if we include the streaming services. So the differentiator is going to be um, exclusive titles. And Sony is well positioned for that, including with the surprising Final Fantasy VII remake, March 3rd, um, which is... So for those who don't know Final Fantasy VII, I don't know if I can help you. Um, legendary Japanese RPG from the Super Famicom, uh, uh, the PlayStation era, PlayStation mm-hmm. 1. Um, and they, they remade it entirely and it was so ambitious, they had to chop it into multiple episodes. And the first one is going to be like 10% of the original game. But it's really remade and brought to life in a very different way than the game was back then, in a very modern way. I'm I'm not too excited about it i loved final fantasy 7 back then but i'm not one for nostalgia so um i'll i'm cautiously interested let's say yeah same um also well i didn't like it at all in the playstation one era i hated it it to me it represented all the things i hate about japanese rpgs in particular randomized encounters i hate that um ugh, i hate it and everything pokemon included i just hate it and uh, the fact that this is a, t- a, a very different approach and also combat system is super exciting to me. So I might actually get into it for the first time, it feels oh, like. Interesting. So it's, it's, because I have no nostalgic connection to it. What I have instead is like, well, I missed out on that because of these these barriers. And those barriers are being kind of removed in this release. So I'm more into it than I thought I would be. Uh, we'll see when it comes out. Yeah, that's an interesting take. Some people will discover this game uh, with this remake, which I think is worth you know experimenting just because of the historical value of the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doom Eternal was just pushed to March 2020, uh, March 20, 2020. Uh, so that game was supposed to come out in um, November. It needed a little bit more time in the cooker, which is good that they gave it that time. They also pushed a couple of features uh, to post-release, which means they really need uh, more time to get it done. And uh, it's a game a lot of people are anticipating um, highly. It's the follow-up to the remake, reimagining of Doom from 2016. I'm personally very excited about it, and it's kind of a game I will buy blind and i expect will give me all of the adrenaline demon shooting fun that the first one was offering along with enough uh, new mechanics to keep it fresh i'm yeah. excited you and i have a mutual friend in bo schwartz who just recently this is so funny the timing is terrible for him because he just decided to do a rerun of doom eternal on the normal setting and then uh, you mean second, Doom 2016 or sorry, the, yeah, the newer, the, sorry, the new Doom. Yeah, the 2016 Doom uh, just to kind of get his feet wet again because he loved that game. So he plays it. This is a second time through and then a third time through on some hardcore level. I don't know which one just to go hard on it so that he was all set to go in about, you know, a month <laughs> to get the new one. And then today or yesterday, whatever it was, they announced the delay. I guess it was today, right? Yeah, yeah. today. Yeah. So uh, they, he's he's probably pretty bummed about it, but um, no, I, I'm also excited about that, and I think uh, 
I think that game was rad, and I can't wait to play the new one. Um, they did say in the announcement as well that the Switch version would come after all the other versions come out, which I don't know what that means. Is that a week later? Is that a month later? Is there some kind of weird reason we should expect it later? But Well, I suspect it's uh, going to be obviously on the Switch performing a little bit less well, and they need a bit more time, and they might not want to taint the release of uh, the, the title by having the headlines saying... It's great on everything, but not on the Switch so much. It's a bit disappointing. You know, you, sure. you'd rather just have the sentence stop at it's great on everything, you know? Yeah, and they got out in front of this a little bit at the E3 conference where they were talking about the cloud-assisted uh, tech that they were putting out an API for that allowed them to get really great performance out of a title like Doom on a Switch uh, or on lesser hardware. And that was really impressive on stage. I'm guessing that's not exactly ready for prime time, so... Uh, that may yeah, be I don't think they're using that for... This is for streaming stuff, so um, I don't right. think it applies here. Right. Yeah, but excited about more Doom. Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, March 20. Uh, that's... Yeah, so that's where we, we cross paths and find ourselves at the opposite ends of where we were a few a couple of games ago. Animal Crossing is not just not my thing. It's something I just do not understand um yeah so can, can you describe what it is for people who don't know you love those those games i love the animal crossing games my first game was the gamecube game and i've bought every one since all of them ds 3ds uh, i tried the phone thing although the phone thing's not great uh but uh i cannot wait for this to come out on the switch so basically uh i don't know what it is it's a very specific sort of itch to scratch but you're this little bobbly-headed dude who goes to a town, and in the town you got to meet all these neighbors and people, and uh, even including a, a a raccoon that sells you stuff, and uh, he gives you a loan for a house and all this sort of thing. And you move in; it's all very cutesy graphics and stuff. The writing is hilarious. It's got this great dialogue between characters. You send letters back and forth. You get gifts in the mail. Uh, weather and time of year matters, and I mean by actual time of year. So during all the winter months where I live, the game is in its winter months. In the summer months, I'm in the summer months, and so on. So there's a you know there's an internal clock running all the time in those games. It adds an uh, sort of a level of sort of MMO like open worldiness to it. Um, but you harvest a lot of fruit and vegetables, and I'm <laughs> sorry, it's bugs just... and you fish. And then you sell all that stuff and you make a ton of money and then you buy new stuff to fill your, your house with. And some of those things are like old arcade games with like the original Super Mario Brothers on it. And it's one of my favorite Nintendo series. I get so swept up in those things. I don't know what my deal is, but man, I love it. And I cannot wait for New Horizons. Very excited. Yeah, I'm very happy for everyone who loves it. I do not understand this. You know, it's fine. Some people... Not everyone is the same. Some people love some games and some others might think that some of the games I love are completely pointless, which I welcome uh, and uh, value everyone's opinion. This is uh, how I feel about tower defense is the what you're describing. I mm, hate tower defense games with a fiery burning sun mm. uh, and I won't play them if, if well, really should give me a reason to. I think that's the feelings you're having for Animal Crossing. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but the difference is no one have a has like a, an undying love for tower defenses, I don't think. Not many right. people. Whereas the Animal Crossing community is 
so active and vivid and and in love with that game, um, which is something that puzzles me even more. But um, yeah. Anyway, what that is? That's a really interesting thing that 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 you just don't see it. And I'm not saying that's bad. I just I'm trying to think of another game where it's like that, where I just look at it and go, "What is the hype about?" What you know I- there. Well, I think maybe JRPGs you don't really like. For me, it's also um, Pokemon. I never got into Pokemon, maybe because I missed the boat when, you know, I I was old enough that I thought this was for kids and I was too cool for it um, back then. And so I I missed out on all the great fun that everyone has been having for 30 years. Um, But it's kind of the same. I I don't get it. And it helps me understand when I'm – I think Fury Road is one of the – finest films ever made by man and and, and now we meet again uh yeah. on in the middle of the road to valhalla I'm yeah we all Scott. know it's shiny and chrome and everything we love it and and but there are people who don't understand why i love, love it so much they just can't understand and so i i guess it's just good to remind you especially in the gaming world not everything's for everybody you know patrick's not a curmudgeon because he doesn't like animal crossing he just doesn't <laughs> just not his thing and that's okay it's not well there's one thing that might maybe not get everyone uh, together again, but a large part of the gaming population, and that's Cyberpunk 2077 coming out yeah. April 16, a game by CD Projekt, uh, CD Projekt Red. And uh, this, these, this is the Polish team that did The Witcher, most notably The Witcher 3, very ambitious game based on the cyberpunk role-playing game property from way back in the 80s, the Netrunners and all of that. Um, and the game is supposed to be one of the most, um, well, I don't want to say realistic, but ambitious undertaking for a role-playing game of that genre and possibly of any genre, Western-style role-playing game. Um, everyone's super excited. I'm somewhat excited. <laughs> uh, but open type of gameplay, uh, open gameplay type of game where you can choose to go in guns blazing or hack everything or sneak around or negotiate. Not for every mission, but that kind of, uh, of game in a cyberpunk universe, obviously. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, it's my number one anticipated thing of next year. Right up there with Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, they are really my two my two most anticipated games of next year. Weirdly. Well, gamers are eclectic, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it, you it's, know, it, uh, it balances it out. It balances it out. You you know, one of yeah, the most gruesome, not gruesome, but weird and sometimes disturbing games probably we're going to see in a while and uh, the cutesy animal simulation game so i balance out my mentality it's how i keep saying but <laughs> but yeah in, in, the, in the case of cyberpunk i think it's just kind of universally expected that that thing at the very least will be a grand level monstrous game that's just so big and and has such depth that uh it'll be incredibly good for most of us, I think they're probably going to have its dissenters, but I'm very excited about Cyberpunk. I think that game is looking real, real good. Last game I included in that list is Marvel's Avengers coming out in on May 15th. Um, it's it's partly because I'm a Marvel's I'm a Marvel fanboy. Um, the game is obviously going to be a big make a lot of noise because you know uh, superheroes, especially Marvels, are hot. 
at the moment. Um, the game still has a lot of question marks around it, but I feel the gameplay... So it's going to have, uh, it seems, a single-player campaign that's going to be about 10 hours, and then we haven't had confirmation of this, but it's looking like that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a game-as-a-service multiplayer, as in everyone against the environment and the missions and the uh, um, computer um, replaying missions and stuff like that for a long time uh, type of game. A lot of the criticism was based on the looks of the game, which a lot of people were saying tries to approximate the actors without them being the actual likeness of the actors of the MCU. Um, I think that's a little bit unfair. The comparison is kind of difficult to avoid, but we've seen uh, last weekend the reveal of another character, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, who is a very popular character in the comics, a uh, newer character, and she looked great. And no one had anything to say about the way she looked because we don't have that frame of reference for a semi-realistic um you know, Kamala Khan, whereas we know what a very realistic Tony Stark or uh, Steve Rogers looks like. So I, I, I'm not sure that makes it any better, but um, I think that it might mean the game, once it's overcome this natural uh, comparison that does it a little bit of a disservice, uh, might shine a little bit more now in order to shine it has to have really good gameplay and that's still a little bit of a question mark as well so we'll have to wait and see um if we get more of the game to in our hands before the release but uh, i think obviously there's potential and the ip is very powerful so we'll see yep i think that's going to be uh big is that the right word big yeah i'm yeah. going to stay with big i'm going to say big because i actually think that Despite some concern early uh, at E3, people have been slowly glomming onto. Ooh, that's looking better. Ooh, look at this new character you added. She's awesome. Ooh, uh, like I'm starting to just hear it build, which uh, you know often happens uh, in game development. And um, I'm more bullish than I used to be. So yeah, I like adventures. I like Marvel. I like shooting stuff. Let's go. Let's make it. Who doesn't really? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, and that is it. Uh, what a fitting way to end with Marvel's Avengers because we ourselves are the heroes that retire after 23 <laughs> movies. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't work at all. Um, Wait, who are we then? I'll, I'm Steve Rogers and I went back in time and married the love of my life and now I'm old and giving you my shield. How about that? Or we're Wait. giving some shield. So I'm Sam Wilson. I'd rather no. be Kamala Khan, actually. She's like stretchy and, and young and full of hope and fun. She's um, awesome, dude. She's really cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I obviously I don't want to be, you know, Tony Stark because no. he you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, we had I don't think it was quite twenty-three episodes, but we had the um, the period when we were on DTNS Labs for about 10 episodes. And then we did, what is it, 13 of this? Oh my God, it is 22 episodes uh, in one form or another. So almost an MCU's worth <laughs> run of this show. Um, why are we stopping it? We are stopping it, it for lots of reasons, but I'm going to let you explain that. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's exactly what I was hoping for. It, it, this is a tough show. 
um, not a, like it's tough for it to find a uh, its audience. It's I think we we sort of made the bet that there would be an audience for um, a show where we would talk about games, but not in a super passionate way. And I think there is an audience. The numbers, you know, are showing that it's not a few dozen people listening. There's a sizable number. Um, but I also think we, we kind of uh, painted ourselves into a corner because it does, for a show like this, it does, doesn't make sense to make it more often. Um, and it would need to be, uh, to have higher numbers to become worth it financially um, for us to keep doing it. And it's kind of that chicken and egg thing. And at the same time, if we do a show, we have a lot of work already. We do a lot of different shows. And we want to do the shows that are going to be heard and enjoyed by the most people, which incidentally also means there are more opportunities for uh, making them financially viable. Um, so I don't, I, that's the, the hodgepodge of uh, thoughts that we had going into it. And, um, more or less what we the conclusion we came to is that we either have to um make it a lot more active but as i mentioned we um already have a lot of stuff to do and a lot of our plate and and we try to reduce the amount of stuff we do rather than increase it and also as i said the premise of the show is you don't need a show every week in order to get the info that you that target for the audience um wants that that kind of information a show a month is is good and if you want more information if you're the kind of person who wants the inform more information we already have like three different shows that you might be interested in um so the other option so either we go full in but that as i said wasn't necessarily the best way to go or well we stop so i think we you might even there is going to be some who say well i tune in because i like the interaction between patrick and scott it's the hosts i come for and the, and the information secondarily. Well, even then you have an option because we do the instance with each other every weekend. So we're kind of, we kind of got all those things covered and it's made it hard for MVGB to find uh, its own little place. I think as, as a labs extension of DTNS, it, it worked well and worked well both in concept and execution as a, um, as a bonus addition to what DTNS listeners already were doing. Um, but as a monthly show, in the form it's in now trying to find that audience has been, you know, it's just been tricky. Yeah. You know, Patrick and I both need to consider all sorts of things, not just our time, but you know, what's generating revenue, what isn't that sort of thing. And all of that comes into play. But yeah, if you're, if you're looking for our voices, there's no shortage that I can promise. There is all kinds of yak. Well, <laughs> let's networks. just blah, 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 blah. All of <laughs> So you are bound to find, uh, you know, something you want or need from from both of us or even together on the instance. So, uh, you know, we're yeah, not really I think we always try to have a, you know, even on our other shows, it's not like we always go full on super nerd that you can't understand what we're saying if you don't know everything there is to know about games. Um, so I think you might enjoy some of those shows. If you enjoy this one specifically, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I wish there was a way we could make it work. But this one, which has a very specific, targeted um, editorial guideline, um, I'm afraid is, is yeah, going away. So, But if, if people want... So, first of all, if you've been listening for these 
I guess past two years we've been doing this. Has it been two years? Twenty-two episodes two. monthly. That's two years. Yeah. Wow. That that's crazy. Yeah, that doesn't feel right, but I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for for listening. Really, it was a joy having you listen to our ramblings and and doing this with Scott. Uh, but as we said, we have a lot of shows. So, Scott, which other shows might people enjoy if they want to hop over? Well, if you want more gaming discussion, uh, let's say you're like, well, I like gaming, but I really am into Blizzard. Well, then I would recommend The Instance, as I mentioned before. Patrick and I are on that with Garrett Weinzer. We do it weekly. Uh, it's a show uh, that you would probably enjoy if you're in that particular neighborhood. And that's over at TheInstance.net. Or if you're looking for more general gamery, uh, I do a show called Core on Wednesday nights where it's all bars moved when it comes to what we discuss. We talk about everything from big issues like how do video games uh, companies respond to pressure from foreign governments uh, to change things where they may have to, you know, and people will freak about, out about here, kind of a thing that's happening right now. You can expect that kind of discussion, but you can also get pretty deep on issues like, you know, what's wrong with this game? Why is this game succeeding? What do we expect from this? What are we playing right now? That sort of thing. That's at core, which you can find at frogpants.com slash core. And then finally, I do like a little tiny show with Brian Dunaway on Mondays or every other Monday that is a show about indie games and small experiences that we run into uh, that we like to give lots of exposure to. So it is purely that. We just dive right into the games themselves, uh, show a lot of video. It's a great live stream, uh, but you can also get it on the podcast as well over at frogpants.com slash boop. But really, frogpants.com is your home for all of it, and you'll find something you'll probably like over there. So go check it out. Excellent. Well, for me, it's Pixels, which is a bi-monthly show where we discuss everything gaming. Um, it's easy. And you know what? We do this show once a month. We Or we did, I guess. We do Pixels twice a month. So it's not that much more. You might enjoy it. So go check it out. Pixels is easy to find on your podcast app or go check out frenchspin.com where the show is hosted. Simple and easy. And also, I'm not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Remember to like and subscribe. Wait, no, that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Pixels. And thank you again so much for listening. If you have, who knows, maybe one day the show, you know, Stadia will bring gaming to a billion other people. And they will all be clamoring for MVGB to come back. But until then, my good friends... Farewell and good night. I agree. 